Christmas is a season of looking forward, looking forward with great expectation. When I was young, my expectation was always for the next round of presents. Since my mum's love language is gift giving, I was rarely disappointed. Poking holes into my presents before Christmas, I often grew in excitement. I desired to open up that long-awaited Nintendo 64, that independence-granting phone, or that overly-desired guitar or rugby league football. Then eating through the advent calendar, regardless of the low chocolate quality, my dreams became a reality. I would gorge on chocolate for breakfast while tearing open a pile of expected gifts. Christmas is a season of looking forward with great expectation. We have looked forward to buying that $5 gift for that game of Secret Santa, proving how frugal we can be. We've looked forward to putting that often creepy elf on the shelf next to that jiggling Santa Claus even. We've looked forward to getting our annual photograph with Santa Claus and reposting last year's half-jolly portrait on Facebook. We've looked forward to feasting on pork crackling and eggnog. Maybe not always the eggnog. We've looked forward to blasting our festive playlist showcasing the latest Pentatonix album. While Christmas is a season of looking forward with great expectation, it is also a season of great disappointment. We are disappointed by another thoughtless gift. We are disappointed by another pudding-induced toothache. We are disappointed by the scales, realising that our feasting has consequences. We are disappointed by another family conflict caused by an emotionally fueled game of a monopoly. We are often disappointed in Christmas. And when we sing songs such as Joy to the World, we wish we sometimes desire to change that first lyric there to unhappiness. For our experience of Christmas can often be a failure, a season of failed expectation. The event we looked forward to doesn't always bring us that joy that we desired. And recognising the disappointment of Christmas, some psychologists state that the season can cause us serious health issues. For disappointment is an emotion that stimulates the nervous system. A chemical response is triggered which results in sadness, inactivity and a feeling of hopelessness. These feelings may include, may cause us to experience things like heart disease, digestive disorders and a weakening immune system. And knowing the dangers of Christmas disappointment, one blogger even suggested a few life hacks to confront the issue. She said this, Keep your memories in the past. Don't aim for perfection. Just simply enjoy the present and let go of unrealistic expectations. While these hacks may be helpful to overcome Christmas disappointment, I'd like to offer you another proposal to confront the Christmas disappointment this season. This proposal requires us to refocus on the main purpose of Christmas. This proposal requires us to look beyond things like consumerism and perfectionism. This proposal requires us to confront disappointment with the joy of hope. This proposal requires us to listen to a prophet 
known as Isaiah. Over 2,700 years ago, Isaiah announced that God had a wonderful plan for the world. He declared that God had planned to bring to his people a saviour and to bring about his heavenly kingdom. Even though his people were frustrating, God was ready to save them and make them holy. Even though his people rejected him, God would not abandon them. God would bring all his people into his eternal kingdom. And since God's kingdom had not yet come in Isaiah's day, Isaiah looked forward with an amplified and amazing expectation. A hope that can fill us with immense happiness also. And I want to bring you to the first point in that Isaiah passage there. Isaiah looked forward to with an amplified expectation, a hope overflowing with excitement and anticipation. Verse 1 says this, Because I love Zion, God's kingdom, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, God's kingdom, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. There are many things in life that cause us not to keep silent. We rugby league supporters can't keep silent when we crush the Queensland Maroons. We parents can't keep silent when a baby is born. We foodies can't keep silent when a new cafe pops up in town and they have a good feed. Why? Well, humans are wired to make our positive emotions known. When we make our excitement known, we activate the emotion of joy over and over. And the emotion of joy is simply addictive. We love happiness. We are a culture that constantly strives for happiness and avoids disappointment at all costs. But Isaiah here, even though he experiences disappointment, he is happy nonetheless. Isaiah is a man addicted to his happiness. He has this amplified expectation that fills him with satisfaction, even when he looks at his nation and sees great disappointment. And because he loves God's people, he continues to pray for them. He prays that God will bring about a future work of salvation. As Jonathan Edwards once said, when God is about to do a mighty thing, he always sets his people praying. And Isaiah's joy is fueled by prayer. He longs for God to restore his people. He longs for the salvation to come like a blazing fire. He can't keep still. He can't keep silent. He's filled with excitement and anticipation. And this brings me to my second point. Isaiah looked forward with an amazing expectation, a joy overflowing with salvation and reward. This was his hope. Verses 11 says this. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, God's kingdom, see your saviour comes, your salvation comes. See his reward is with him. One of the most attractive features of Christmas is the idea of reward, especially for children. 
In fact, this theme of reward is seen throughout the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. For Santa is making a list and checking it twice, he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. But the difference between Santa's reward system to God's reward system is that God rewards those who don't deserve the reward. God pursues people who are sinners, those who are living in an active rebellion against him, those who recognize that they are failures. God declares that he wants to bring great reward to those who are considered unholy, those who are living in imperfection, those who need grace. It's no wonder that Isaiah's announcement is so amazing. God is sending a saviour, a redeemer. This saviour will give us a profound reward that we will enjoy forever. But what is this reward? I want to take you back to Isaiah 40. It's not in your readings, but let me read it here. Isaiah 40 verses 10 to 11. It says, See, the sovereign Lord God comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Here's the reward. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Is that what you expected? The reward is this. An intimate relationship with God is our reward. God will gather us, all people, all nations, into his eternal kingdom. God will bring us close to him. While this heavenly kingdom will be beautiful, the most extravagant gift will be living in God's glorious presence forever. Over the last few weeks, we've been exploring these Isaiah passages, and we've been seeing how those who have hope in Christ will see God face to face and live in his eternal kingdom. We, in fact, will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. God will look to us. Imagine you're, you're sitting in the Lord's hand. God will do, look to us and say, you are my prize. My affections are you. And God will rejoice over us over and over. We will be called a holy people the redeemed of the Lord. It's no wonder that Isaiah looked forward with an amazing expectation. God was going to do something unbelievable. And this brings us to the good news of Christmas. Isaiah's amplified and amazing expectation can be trusted. Now we can find true happiness, even in seasons of disappointment. When we grab our Christmas bonbon and lose the tug, we can find happiness. When we tear open a pair of underwear rather than a footy jersey, we can find happiness. Even if our pudding is burnt, the soft drink is flat, and the chocolates are melted, we can find happiness. We can find a state of happiness in every season, in fact. We can find happiness because the saviour of the world has arrived in Jesus. Luke proclaims this truth. 
the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you news of great joy that we that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. I love this line. I bring you news of joy, happiness. Jesus came to create a universal choir. For this child, Jesus Christ would grow up to transform the world. By loving all people, many would experience his peace. By dying on the cross, people would be declared a holy and redeemed people. By rising from the dead, he began the work of restoring our chaotic world. Now, as he reigns from heaven in power, he's calling God's children home. Those who trust in Christ alone for salvation. And as Jesus rules with power and might from heaven, he's preparing a world for us to enjoy forever. And one day heaven and earth will merge into one. We're not going to dance in the clouds with Jesus. Think of the earth right now, but without pain, suffering or mourning. This is heaven, heaven on earth. While many people reject this message and die without hope, many people receive Jesus as their king and be filled with an amazing happiness, a happiness that will sustain them forever. This is why the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, and I love it. Even if it's Presbyterian, I love it. The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let me read that again. The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This is the cry of a Protestant. This is the cry of one who has understood the gospel. And since our greatest satisfaction is to enjoy God and for God to enjoy us, it's then no surprise that the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, made this point. Those who are beloved of the Lord must be the most happy and joyful people to be found anywhere upon the face of the earth. Do you have the joy of the Lord running through your veins? Do you know God? Keep reflecting upon that this Christmas. For we're not just celebrating any ordinary baby. We're celebrating the joy that gives us life. And this has indeed been my experience when I came to know the Lord. I grew up in church, yet I didn't understand who Jesus was until I was 16. I remember looking down the Big Brother Mountain next to the little coastal town of Loretton where I grew up. In that town I played rugby league, I was a part of the tennis club, and I enjoyed food. And during that time, I was asked this question, what is the purpose of life? As I looked at the waves crash against the shoreline, the trees shake in the wind, and the mist of the clouds move through me, and the splendor of the sun, the heavens revealed the glory of God. The creation was like an evangelist. It challenged me to seek after the creation's creator. As God was revealing his glory, I felt like a man sought after by God. 
Then as God continued to pursue me, I was convinced Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. And as I responded to this gospel, I was filled with a joy, a state of happiness which has sustained me. Friends, while we may get caught up in the expectations of this Christmas season, please do not lose sight of the expectation of Isaiah, the hope of eternal happiness that is found in Christ Jesus. For Christmas indeed has a purpose. It reminds us that God has a rich plan for our world through the birth of Jesus. It reminds us that we may find happiness in seasons of disappointment. It reminds us there is hope in our world, a hope that challenges us to look beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary, to look forward to the heavenly kingdom to come, the new creation. Therefore, with all this in mind, let me close with this comforting promise of Revelation 21 verses 2 to 3 as you look forward with great expectation. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Even though Jesus has arrived, we still look forward with great expectation to his second, his second arrival, the arrival which will ultimately bring about eternal salvation. Amen.